Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to uh, Thinking Out Loud. This is your host, Reverend Dr. DJ Robinson. I'm so glad that you decided to join us today. And um, let's go ahead and get started with the show. I read something that just set me off the, the other day. So, I mean, this morning, not really set me mm-hmm. off, but it's just, it's it's really all about people's thoughts and if you don't ask the question of why you believe what you believe and haven't done the work or done the background to understand why that concept, you just took it on, that's erroneous thinking because you don't even right. know why you believe what you believe. You just believe it. Right. Right. So, and that's, that's what it's been socially conditioned into. Conditioned. Our, yeah. Yeah. And that's, know, it, it makes everything harder for everyone. Right. So. Not only that, then mm-hmm. you complain about the system, but you adopted the system in which you live. Exactly. Exactly. So we don't have any room to complain. We don't have any room to complain. Because you don't want to do the work. Right. It's easier to accept what someone says, a popular popular um, opinion. Right. But whatever opinion... Right. Have an opinion, but do the work of why you have. Because right. if you don't know both sides of the opinion, then really you're just, that's just thought of error. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Makes total sense. And that's where that's want, where we get. Go ahead. Then you want to complain about it because you're trapped out of the. You're trapped. You're trapped in your own. You're trapped in whatever creative ideas you you are. You are living by uh, the 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 thoughts that are being projected in the theater of your own mind. Right. So would that be something like having the conformity to the world rather mm-hmm. than being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Of your so own people, mind. Yeah, because people don't want to do the work of renewing their minds. And so right. therefore, it's easier to conform to the world rather than Correct. to do the work of transformation. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Transfer, transformation and transformation comes in by being open because once mm-hmm. you decide that that's going to be it, I mean, a thought can be just what exactly it is. It can be gone. It can be. We have how many thoughts in it? In, in so many seconds, we have so many thoughts. Right. But if you're right. not conscious of your thoughts, then you know. Then of course it can get out of hand, and it, and it can change you. It could it could alter your whole complete day. So the thing about it is people need to be conscious of their thoughts, know why you believe what you believe. And then the whole thing now is like <laughs> what's been the trend of, that comes to mind as well is that people, we westernize people, for example, a yogi was talking about yoga, mm-hmm. which is an Eastern concept. It's something that they do in the East. It has mm-hmm. made its way over to the West. Right. But now it's more of a, the way it's presented in the West is not the way it originated in the East. Right. It's right. all about focusing in the East and it becomes centered. It's about centering. We've mm-hmm. made it more of an athletic type of thing or more of about, <laughs> about the, you know, being, fra- uh, what do you call it? Yes. <laughs> Making you more limber. <laughs> limber. And- right. 
Yeah. <laughs> when really it's about centering and um, maybe getting your, yeah, we want you to be limber, but, you know, we want your blood to flow. Um, it's, it's understanding and, the body and being in touch with right. the body. Being in touch with your body. Right. Exactly. Right. Rather than just being an exercise. Yoga is not right. an exercise for the physical body, but it is more or less well, of exercise of the supernatural and the spiritual body. Like we say, the metaphysical um, right. and that manifests itself through the physical. And right. so. Yeah, it must start in the energy. It must start in the core. It must start with a mindset. Breathing and being conscious of your thoughts and things of that nature before it can even uh, come out. I'm reminded actually about how um, just the other night when we had the lament service, um, two of the clinicians were talking about how despair and how stress can actually be trapped in your body. It can be trapped um, in your, and, and, and it can, it can be trapped in your body, in the energy of your body, and then it can manifest itself through illness. Um, Correct. It, that's, you know, that's, mental, that's mental health. That's mental right, health. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But it comes, it actually manifests itself as cancer, a physical ailment. Correct. It manifests itself Correct. as pain in your body because you're holding on to unprocessed despair or to unprocessed um uh, uh, stress or grief or anything of that nature. And then when we fail to release it, that's what like one of like the practice of Eastern yoga, right? Is when we fail to right. release it, breathing techniques and through meditation and through uh, tapping into that energy, then uh, we, if we hold it, then it manifests through our body. If we release it, it manifests through our body. And yoga for me would be uh, based on our conversation, is about releasing those things, um, those toxins, those things that we hold in our mental in our mental uh, capacity. Yeah, correct. yeah. And, and and it made me think about. I don't know why I even thought about it, but you think about when um, Jesus was on the cross and the two thieves that was there, mm-hmm. and that's a releasing one. He said it, it was funny because I thought about, I just thought about it. Um, and he said, you can be in paradise. You will be in, in paradise. That was then, while he was dying on the cross. He was he, yeah. he entered into paradise then. It wasn't he after he died. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. So it was because of whatever erroneous thinking that he had in his mind, he, he to some degree, released it even in his dying moments. And yet he said he was able to be in paradise at that moment. It wasn't mm-hmm. wait, until waiting until he died. So what you're absolutely correct. It, it, it's, it's the release. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. yes. So you, you, can lock, you can lock yourself out of, with erroneous thoughts, it's those things that, that you hold on to mm-hmm. that don't serve you any purpose. Right. And that keep you in bondage. It That's keeps correct. you trapped. Correct. Lock yourself on, out, out of your own paradise. Right. When paradise and into is hell. Off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you lock yourself out of paradise and into hell because that's, hell. you can't just be in what Catholics call purgatory. Right. We don't Correct. I don't know. We believe that that you're in this middle ground state. I think that our humanity is the middle ground state. Right. And that sure. we can if I mean, with the with that type of analogy, if we as human being or at least being uh, energy encased 
or spirit encased in this flesh, right? And we talked about that before about being born into sin and shaped in iniquity. Really, our spirit is what has been uh, capsized into sin and shaped in iniquity in this flesh, in this body, in this erroneous thinking or having to fight with those things. And so uh, we here in in our humanity when we say we're we're pilgrims right some people say we're pilgrims in a dry land or whatever and then i think of that as this human experience being a level of what catholics would call purgatory but during this time we can do one of two things we can release ourselves into heaven um mm-hmm. and 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 put ourselves into heaven and stay rooted in heaven. And then that means out of hell, or we can lock ourselves out of heaven, which means that we are locking ourselves into hell. It, it, there's correct. no middle ground there. You know, you're correct. one or the other. Or the and other. so, right, during this time is the time that we make that decision uh, that we wrestle against, like you said, flesh. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, so to speak but against the erroneous thinking, those things that would try to uh, exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and, and that would try to uh, trend us into hell, right? We're being trended into hell. And, so- <laughs> that's, and that's a sad, that's even just the, the thought of that is sad. Right. <laughs> it's kind We're of being beautiful. trended into hell. <laughs> <laughs> hell is a... It's a trend. <laughs> hey, it's, it's like what happens when that trend is over? There will be so many people that will be locked in because they won't be able to change the erroneous thinking, or they will run out of time, right? Because right. we only have so many t- so much time on this on this earth. Our days are numbered. Uh, we don't know the number of our days, but we know that our days are numbered. And I think you've inspired me so much this morning. I think that when uh, David says in the Psalms, it says, teach us, Lord, to number our days, which means to 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 wrestle with the 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 trends, to wrestle with hell, to wrestle with the hellish thinking, the erroneous thinking, um, because we understand that we have a limited amount of time here. We don't know what that limit is. We do. Correct. Uh-huh, go ahead. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. And, it's it, it's yeah. funny. I saw I, I saw a caption this morning, of um, and I, I reposted it. It's a uh, it's a uh, <laughs> it's a I don't know if it's a woman or a man, but it's and that is sticking outside of the water. So it, as if mm-hmm. to say help, and it's sticking mm-hmm. out of the water, and you got about twenty people standing there with their cell phones recording. Watching them drown. People <laughs> watching will watch them drown. <laughs> and that's, that, that's so profound on so many different levels. That's where we, we are in society today. Mm-hmm. Where we would literally stand back and watch someone drown. And not only physically, but we can watch people drown in despair. We can watch people exactly. drown in grief. We watch people drown in their mental illness. We watch people drown in their addictions. And all we do is we pull out our phones and we capture it, (laughs) right? And we replay it as though it is something to be trended. There's no level (laughs) or level of awareness that comes with that for some people, right? No, it doesn't. But actually, it's more revealing us as a society and the way we think, which is... 
kind of really scary, to be honest it's with you. It's very scary because the hearts of many, it says in the Bible, the hearts of many have waxed cold. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the, that's the cold heart of many people. No one thought to throw this person a rope. No one thought to throw. <laughs> There's another case I saw where um, the man was, there was someone drowning, right? Mm-hmm. And they actually threw him a rope. But the rope wasn't tied to anything. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of see that as the as the society, we have so many institutions, (laughs) including the church, that will throw you a rope that is tied to absolutely nothing nothing that will pull you out of the deep water. Yeah. Expect it to, and it doesn't. It just makes you drown. Right. I mean, it it makes you struggle even more because now he's got to untangle the rope that's already tied, that was already thrown at him, right? While Mm -hmm. traveling downstream, I mean, I could just imagine water going in (laughs) his nose and his mouth and he's gulping and gasping and trying. And and then you have to tie a knot to try to get it to anchor to something. Really, in our spirit, God, help me this morning. In our spirit, how many of us are actually going through that? where people have thrown us a rope. Oh, you have this condition, you have that condition, or you just need to pray harder. Okay, but pray what? Where is this rope anchored? What is going to pull me out of the depths? This is why I'm so thankful where it says that um, that God allows us to be led beside still water. And he, it also says that he pulls us out of the depths, out of the muck and out of the miry clay, because there's something that is actually anchored. Of course, we have to hold on, right? If I'm using this analogy of a rope mm-hmm. that's anchored to something, we have to hold on to something, right, of God. We have to use our own strength. We have to do, like you said, do the work to transform. Right. We can't expect God to do all of the work, but we can expect God to be our anchor. We can't right. expect God to be the other at the under other end of that rope after we have you know, we can expect that God is there. We can expect that there's a solid foundation after uh, we 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 hold on, right? And there's that's where it says hold to his hand. Remember that song we used mm-hmm, to sing at mm-hmm. the street? God's mm-hmm. unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal, right? And right now which is we are not, we're, we're, which, which is spiritual. It's a spiritual kind. Eternal things is spiritual. Eternal things are spiritual. They are not physical because the physical moths, right. the Bible says moths eat it up. Right. It, it, it only lasts. But for a moment, even our lives, our physical lives are but a vapor. That's what you know that yeah. they say that the Bible says. And so now we have to look at the train, like you said, getting rid of this erroneous thinking that we're going to live forever, that time is 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 expendable. Um, you know, it's not. It is a very huge commodity. And we have to get rid of some of this westernized trending hell. <laughs> that has been so deeply uh, um, uh, put before us, right? And, and, and killing and, us at the same time. And killing us at the same time. And allowing us, the thing about it is we hold on to it because it's almost like um, me holding on to, remember we used to have those things where they would have that petroleum, I think it would have the hazard sign. Mm-hmm. And it was green. And if you touched it like a nuclear power plant, if you touched it or you spent so much time within the radiation, it would eventually create uh, cancerous cells or you yeah, would end up yeah. getting sick or something like that. And wh- mm-hmm. I think what we're doing is uh, we're spending so much time. We refuse to leave 
the hellish radiation if I was if I can. Yeah. We won't yep. get out of the out of the waves. And now we are really killing ourselves by choosing to stay there because we do have the option to get out. Yep. If we choose but we don't want to do what choose ye this day, right? Are you going to stay in hell <laughs> and lock <laughs> yourself out of heaven or are you going to enter heaven and lock yourself out of hell? Right? Correct. And so <laughs> we have a choice. We have, have a choice. A choice but nobody wants to do the work. Like you said earlier, nobody wants to do the work. It's easier to conform to the opinions of people because right. that's popular. But what, what is popular is not always good for you. And it doesn't right. make it right. It's just right. it's just an opinion. So I mean, it, it's really just being conscious of your thoughts and trying to decipher because there's so much that's distraction that's on there. That's why you only need to listen to whatever that's, you know, you can choose to, to stay in the place of peace or you can live and you can you can clutter your mind with a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really even matter, but it doesn't serve you any purpose. So until right. then, you're, you're just creating the hell. And it might, it might not manifest itself immediately, but you mm -hmm. can go off in just one of those moments. And I think that that's just, I think that's where a lot of us live. And you can create the mind that you wish to have and live in paradise if you choose to. You know, right. and, 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 and and that's that's what we have to just continue to, uh, to continue to uh, do the work. It's always an ongoing process because of the fact that many times we think that we have arrived to that point. And the moment that you arrive, there's always going to be a bigger test to put what you think that you know, and it's going to transform you. It transforms you as you go through life. You're going right. to be you're going to be subject to other obstacles that not might not that might be even uh more challenging to mm -hmm. you and, and as you grow through that process but you can't forget about what you went through one time and then turn around and ask god to help you <laughs> because he already showed you the way but then right. you forgot about it because you thought that you had you have reached a plateau and it's it's like this is every round go higher and higher you're going to you're going to have more of an understanding as you continue to go through life so it's just all about never thinking that you've gotten to a point where you have arrived but that you're evolving into right uh, to to transformation and transformation is not concrete transformation is something that is expandable it is it is um it's infinite and mm -hmm. and infinite infinite does not is not concrete so therefore you should grow in transformation that's even right. a, that's even that's even something to think about <laughs> you grow yeah. through transformation mm -hmm. so many people's growth is is stunted by the idea of that once you think that, oh, I got this, or this is what it is. But, you mm -hmm. know, again, you can trans you transform transformation by the renewing of your mind. A thought can be renewed. Yes. Yes. And, and it has you to be upcycled, right. up though. Up you know, upside. not recycled, because we, get, no. we can get into a real bad habit of recycling negative thoughts. Exactly. We upcycle. Right. So, that's, you know, and right. And, 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 right. And, and that's key to make sure that, you know, that 
you are living because it's going to give you positive results. It's not going to, because then it doesn't really matter what other people think. It doesn't mm -hmm. really matter. And it's not, it comes off condescending, but it's, it's condescending because you're not, you're not following the trend. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, of course you, you know, like it says, friendship with the world is enmity with God, right? Correct. So Correct. therefore, that means that friendship with God is enmity with the world. You're going to come against the, the status quo. You're going to come against the trend. You're going to fight, like, again, with that analogy with the water, right? Where everyone was right. just watching this person struggle against the current, <laughs> against the weight. And, you know, way they're waiting for him to drown. And, and so, you know, even the same thing is uh, with, the, with the other analogy with the man going downstream. You know, he's fighting against the current, against where the trend will take him. And so um, and that you, we have to literally and, and metaphysically fight for our lives and right. our lives are in God. It's in it's in eternity. We're fighting for our life in eternity. Where you know, and, says in him, I live and move and have my being, my being. Right. And that's where we're trying to stay. That's the, that's and, the and, that's and when the, you break that down, it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. which is not going to be, you can't really even put the intelligence as much as we are, we are carefully evaluating, articulating. It's really even so hard for us to even make it plain to someone else, but it, it's the logic that's behind it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I yeah, it, it 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 it's not gonna be the norm. It's not, and people are gonna look at it strange because spiritual things are not usually understood by the physical mind. It's only right. understood through the spirit. Right, and you have to tap into the spirit. Oh, this is all right. Thank God for being here today. This is Dr. DJ Robinson, and I am thinking out loud. Um, I just enjoy being here. I want to give honor to God who's ahead of my life. I try to follow him the best way that I know how. I know that, you know, there are sins in my life that have happened and I am not <laughs> not in a place that uh, I can be any type of a, dic uh, a dictator or an expert or anything. But um, I just thank God that he has allowed me to be who I am in this season and in this hour. If you'd like to join me, you can definitely join me on uh, Facebook at my handle, Dr. DJ Robinson. In addition, you can always find me at drdjrobinson.com. Again, that's drdjrobinson.com. Uh, we'll just get right into it. I want to know what you think about um, how the violence has become so normalized in our society uh, to the extent that um, we are desensitized to it. I had some uh, students, I've been talking to my students about it. Many of our uh, the school district, the teachers are uh, all in uh, uprage about it. And we, um, we are talking to the students about it. And a lot of the students haven't even noticed what has happened. A lot of them don't understand um, what has happened. And I think that it's a very dangerous area because we run the risk of uh, having our students to either understand what racism is and then retaliate against it, or we put uh, our students in a place of fear. Uh, there's a mixed crowd at, at the school that I teach at, and there are some of the students who are not really sure how to interpret 
uh, what has actually happened. And uh, with this thing that they're trying to say as far as the shooting in uh, upstate New York, Buffalo, I think it was on Saturday. Let me just make sure I got the date right. It was Saturday, May the 14th, right? Be um, uh, the Right before the lunar eclipse, actually, on May the 14th, uh, a, a white 18 year old boy or male or man, uh, I consider him a man because they consider everyone a man at uh, 18 years old. He uh, went on into a predominantly black supermarket um, that serves that whole population of neighborhood and uh, shot 13 people, 10 of which were black who died. Um, and then, you know, he surrendered, I guess, himself. And then he's pleading that uh, there's a mental illness at play. Uh, I don't really want to buy into this. I don't like the fact that they're using this mental illness card uh, for someone who premeditatedly murdered uh, 10 black people, unarmed people, innocent people. Uh, this is not something that should be excused. However, it's happened so often in black and brown communities as to where uh there has there is a um a uh a normalcy to it and there's also a desensitization to it like as far as the violence and the shootings we are almost desensitized to it i live here in rochester new york and i have been saying for the longest i was actually looking on my facebook page today and i was uh, saying for the longest that I do not believe that some of the shootings that have been happening um, where bullets have been flying through houses and young people uh, have been being killed, especially those in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods. Uh, I did not believe that it was us shooting into these houses. Now that um, this boy or this man, this 18 year old man who was able to carry an AR-15, who was able to purchase, first of all, an AR-15, and then carry it into a uh, drive 200 miles uh, from his home to a to specifically into a black community and to a supermarket that serves a black community um, for them to do this, for him to do this, it was premeditated. I don't believe in uh, that he had a mental break or he had a mental snap. This was premeditated. It was filtered or fostered by uh, white supremacy, by the the, uh, the propaganda on the internet. Um, call it what you want to call it. It's been normalized. And then uh, now all of a sudden Joe Biden is showing up in Buffalo, New York, which we are already in uh, political fights with the Roe versus Wade overturn. Um, Kathy Hochul is running. There's a reelection coming. We're at the midterms. Um, now, all of a sudden, to get that black vote, uh, we see a lot of these officials who are now coming into the neighborhoods and saying, we care for you. However, the issue is that there's only one grocery store in that whole entire neighborhood. I have been saying uh, to a lot of the people, I have been saying to a lot of the people on my Facebook page um, that we, the churches really, really, really need to, uh, get to a place to where they have, uh, more than one neighborhood where we are not completely dependent on, uh, on one shopping center. Where are the jobs, you know, uh, for people who do not have, 
uh, access to, let me just go ahead and change right here. For people who do not have access to, um, to groceries, who do not have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, who do not have access to meats, uh, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable for this community to only be served by one place. And we, it makes them, uh, it makes the community an easy target for people like this who have a hatred for black and brown people to come into the neighborhood and to, um, to easily terrorize these neighborhoods. And I just don't think that it's fair. I don't think that it's fair on, on a lot of different levels because this has been happening um, to us since Tulsa, right? We have a lot of people who have um, been terrorized uh, with the Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, incident where uh, white supremacists came into a black-owned neighborhood and uh, burned it down to the ground to make to ensure that these black people did not have access to their own economic gain or their own economic um, uh, well-being. And so these are some of the things that we have to take into consideration when we are talking about uh, when we're talking about this, this, this normalization of violence against black and brown people, I'm also taken to the places to where, uh, when some of these crimes were committed against people who were of Asian descent, uh, there was, uh, almost immediately not, not, it didn't wait. It didn't tarry. There was a bill almost immediately written, um, that, that, uh, condemned, the terrorization or the acts of violence against Asian Americans. And this bill was passed irrevocably. It was almost passed instantaneously. And so um, what about the black and brown people of this community? Where is the bill that says that when you terrorize and shoot us, um, that there are repercussions for that? There is nothing in place that will, that is going to, protect that, that protects the black lives. And so now where are the black lives matter people? Where are the people who are marching and protesting to say that black lives do matter in this community? If black lives matter so much, why is there only one grocery store in our neighborhoods? If black lives matter so much, why, where is the economic advantages where black and brown people can actually get access to uh, 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 employment? or get access to uh, economic resources where we can uh, better ourselves. Where is the, the, where are the resources for black and brown communities? And that's what makes us such an easy target. I believe that's what's making us the easy target that we are. And so these are some of the things that I want to talk about. Uh, again, if you want to join me, let me just see. If you want to join me, uh, you can come right on and uh, talk to me right here on the uh, spot on the Spotify, whatever you're listening to on Anchor. Uh, there is a link to uh, to leave me a message if you agree with uh, this uh, with what I'm saying. Uh, I'm kind of trying to navigate uh, the uh, Facebook and navigate. 
uh, the live streaming at the same time uh, in this in this arena. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, this is this is going to do well. So just give me a second. I'll be right back and we'll pick this conversation up. Okay, so we're back. Um, so again, I'm I'm talking on Anchor right now. Thank you again for those of you who are joining. Um, we're going to close up some of these uh, unused applications here so that uh, I can talk and speak with my Facebook audience. Um, I'm so thankful for everyone who's joining in, who's tuning in. Um, I'm talking today about the normalization of um, of the violence that has happened in our cities, that is happening in our city streets. And we have to make sure that we are addressing this well. Um, I've been doing some research as well about... Um, I've been doing some research... In regard to um, the, the judges, the, in the book of Judges, um, that research uh, has me to know that there are people who are going to do what they want to do in their time. Um, after Solomon, after Solomon, who had uh, killed some of the Philistines in his last dying strength, uh, after this had happened, there were a lot of people who did what they thought was right in their own eyes. As I start to see and start to survey uh, the nation, as I start to survey the uh, political aspects of, um, as I start to survey the political aspects of the state, uh, there are a lot of people um, and the states doing what they feel is right in their own state whatever they feel is right in their own eyes. And this is not, this is something that we must uh, be able to uh, address at some point because uh, it, it, as it is with the king, so is it with the people. And so when we select leadership, we have to select leadership that will uh, give us or be able to, um, to uh, 
to represent us well, especially representing us before God and representing us well before God. So if we have these things happening, uh, we have to make sure that we understand what are the rules of God. Now, I'll just take you really quickly to uh, to the book of Judges, if I can find it, because my Bible um, has a lot of pages in it. So, uh, well, it has a lot of pages, but it has a lot of pages that are kind of bent over. Um, and so... Uh, Here's here's what happened in the book of Judges. And when they were trying to get wives for the Benjamites, uh, they were starting to rape women. They were starting to take women um, a different uh, at different times. And um, the children of Israel uh, were trying to get wives. So there was a, a very huge tragedy that it happened. It was and and it happened in uh, Judges chapter nineteen. And it says, and it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, there was no leadership, no real leadership in Israel. And with that happening, um, what ended up what uh, what ended up happening there was that. Um, hang on one second. For some reason, my hello, <laughs> for some reason, um, this, this, uh, let me just see. There was no king in Israel and that there was a certain Levite staying in remote mountains of Ephraim. And he took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah and his concubine played the harlot against him and went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah. So she did not want to be with him. And there was, um, four whole months and she was there for four whole months. And then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and to bring her back, having his servant and a couple of donkeys with them. So she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Now his father-in-law, the young woman's father detained him. And he stayed with him three days. So they ate and drank and lodged together. And then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, refresh your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way. So they sat down and the two of them ate and drank together. And then the young woman's father said to the man, please be content to stay all night and let your heart be merry. And when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him. So he lodged there again. And then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, please refresh your heart. So they kept delaying, kept delaying. And the man stood to depart and he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father said, look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to the end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow, go your way early so that you may get home. However, the man was not willing to spend the night. So he rose and departed and came to the opposite Jebus, which is Jerusalem. With him were the two saddled donkeys. His concubine was with him also. And there were they were near Jebus. The day was far spent. And the servant said to his master, come, please, and let us turn inside into this city 
of the Jebusites and lodge in it. Now, this is where things start to go wrong. This is where things start to go wrong. And I see that Dr. Chad is on with me and I would like for you to come on the anchor podcast with me. So I will probably stop this anchor podcast in about two minutes and have you to come on if you can still hear me. Um, so the man was not willing to spend the night. Okay. So he says, let's go into this city. And, uh, his master said to him, we will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. And so he said to his servant, come. So he said to his servant, come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed by and went their way. And the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. They turned aside there to go in and lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in and sat down in the open square of the city, no one would take them into his house to spend the night. Just then an old man came from his work in the field at evening, who was also from the mountains of Ephraim and was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And then he raised his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? He said, we are passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. And I am from there. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord, but there is no one who will take me into his house. And although we both uh, and although we have both straw and fodder and our donkeys and bread and wine for myself and for your female servant, for the young man who is with your servant, there is no lack of anything. And the old man said, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. So he brought him into his house and gave the fodder to the donkeys and they washed their feet and ate and drank. So everything seems fine. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. But the man and the master of the house went to him and said to them, no, my brethren, I beg of you. Do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please. But but to this man, do not do such a vile thing. Then the men uh, would not heed him. The man took his concubine and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. When her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went in to go his way, there was his concubine fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, get up and let us be going. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey and the man got up and went to his place. When he entered his house, he took a knife and laid hold to his concubine and divided her into 12 pieces limb by limb and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it, no such deed had been done from that day to the children of Israel 
came up from the land of Egypt to this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. Um, that's the 19th chapter of Judges. And so even still, uh, it goes on to talk about how the Benjamites began to do things in their own, okay, <laughs> in their own way. Um, after this sin had happened, after sin had happened, it seems like all hell begins to break loose in, in this time. Um, in the next chapter, it talks about how, um, how the, the people of the Benjamin, of Benjamin, uh, begin to find wives for themselves and they begin to rape women. Um, and this may be why people are having such an uproar about this, uh, Roe versus Wade thing. But what had happened was, is that the men had perverted themselves. And so I said all of this to say that, um, it became something that was normalized in that Nate, in that territory, because no one had addressed the sin. No one had addressed what had happened. No one had taken accountability or responsibility for what had happened. And when, um, when all of this, uh, this terror and this, uh, sin and the evil that had been done, uh, to this woman, uh, the more that that happens, the more normalized it becomes. And then it also becomes more politicized. So as I'm thinking about uh, Joe Biden and Kathy Hochul, and I'm thinking about the shootings of, that have been happening across this land, across this country, again, the Bible says, as it is with the king, so is it with the people. When we have kings and leaders and politicians and people who represent us that we've put in office, if they do not follow the ordinances of God, if they do not follow the way and the will of the almighty creator, if they are not in alignment with his, with his plan for our lives, sin will come upon us. As in the book of Judges, if you continue to read, uh, the people began to do what they thought was right. They had completely rebelled because there, were no, there was no apt leadership in that area. There was nothing for them to actually have an example of, to, to go by. Um, there was so much corruption uh, in the political arenas. There was so much corruption in um in the leadership there were no leaders who were will, who were uh competent enough to lead the people and so they had they had to make decisions for themselves the states are making decisions for themselves the people are beginning to make decisions for themselves and as i will always say the power of choice is one of the um the most distressing powers that we can have in humanity when eve was given the power of choice that when she spoke and, and even had a conversation with the serpent and he said, Oh, well, did he say that you would die if you touch it? Oh, did he say, and, and begin to kind of confuse things and confuse ordinances and confuse when he began, when the serpent began to amend God's law, mm -hmm, that's the word that I'm looking for. When the serpent began to amend God's law is when the power of choice began to seep in. And then Eve saw that the fruit was good for her. Right. And we began to, um, to start to do things with, in a self-serving way. I believe that the original sin before she even bit in the apple was that she had to do things that served herself. 
uh, when she saw that it was good for her own interests. Uh, when people began to, to follow in their own interests, that is when we began to fall by the wayside. So uh, there is a lot, there's a lot of things that I would like to tell you, uh, but I'm going to end it now because I've been on my anchor podcast for about 26 minutes and now um, on my YouTube. But if you're interested in following, I have a lot of different things going on with my uh, devices here. But if you're interested in following, I want to talk more about this. Again, you can leave a message on my anchor to, and I can replay those messages and play those for our audience as our audience begins to build. And uh, just keep tuned in. Tune in next, uh, next in tomorrow, maybe tomorrow around four or five o'clock. Tomorrow at five o'clock, we can uh, meet again and have some more conversation, um, some more thinking out loud. What do you think about the uh, normalization of violence, domestic terrorism. What do you think about the, the way that it's being politicized? Uh, the Roe versus Wade and, and all of these mass shootings, the gun control laws. You know, they're making this about the gun control law. They're not really making it about the fact that evil is terrorizing and running rampant in this nation and on, on this in this world, right? In the planet Earth. Um, there, there, there's no one who is taking that into consideration except for the people, the spirit of God who have the spirit of God and who really have, um, some type of sensitivity to these type of events happening. But I'm telling you, people of God, it's becoming so easy to become desensitized to these things, to the, to all of the things that are happening as to where we can fall very complacent. We can fall into a place of hopelessness and despair but that is not, I'm here to encourage you, that is not God's will for our life to fall into those places. Um, there is a, redeem, a redeemer. There is redemption after this. And so if you pay attention to the way that the uh, King James Version of the Bible is set up, that after judges, after judges, um, God sends Ruth. <laughs> and so uh, a woman who is going to come and stand in the gap for her people and bring correction because uh, there's a lot that ends up happening. Um, we need to really take a take a deep dive into this story. So I think that now I have a small narrative of how we're going to proceed. I'm going to read to you uh, tomorrow night at five, the rest of the book of Ruth and give some narrative on that. And then hopefully we'll have uh, my good friend, Dr. Chad on or we'll have a few other theologians and biblical scholars and maybe some political people, political figures to kind of help have a conversation and unpack this for about 45 minutes. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for what you have revealed tonight. We thank you for the ability to think out loud and for the audience and for the people who will listen to this broadcast and listen to this podcast. God, I ask that you would uh, allow us to seek your face in a, in a new way in a better way, um, in a way that we can hear your voice telling us what to do next and to guide our footsteps, be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask that you would open up your word, open up your scriptures as we have our Bible in one hand and our newspaper in the other um, to know what your will is right now for our life. We do know that this is your will 
uh, that you have a permissive will, you have a prevenient will, but we know even more so, God, you have a redemptive will and a will for our salvation. So we ask right now that you would allow your will to be done. Let us be able to accept it as some of the people in the rooms pray, Lord, accept us and grant us the serenity to, um, to, to accept the things that we cannot change, knowing that you have everything in your hands and in your power. Uh, give us the courage and the will to do, to change the things that we can, starting with ourselves and our own mindsets. And then Lord also give us the wisdom to know the difference so that we do not, um, exercise our energy in areas that we know we cannot make a difference in, but that we put forth uh, our efforts in a place where we know that we can make an impact. Um, at this time, God, I ask that you would just give us uh, peace uh, in our souls. I ask that you would give, them wis- give us wisdom for our minds and give us strength in our bodies as we wrestle against these things, these weapons um, of warfare that are not carnal, but they are mighty and they are Um, stronghold. So we cast all of those strongholds down and we ask right now that you would give us your power and your will because it's not by our power or by our might, but it's by your spirit that we are able to overcome. We bless you now in this evening and we ask you for your peace and guidance for the rest of this day. In Christ's name, amen and amen.
I thank God for my granny. I got a few nuggets in here in my sermon from her, so they'll come out and I'll make sure because I'm a doctor, I have to cite where I got it from, amen. So I will do that. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you, we say hallelujah to your great name. The spirit of you are, is already in here. The atmosphere has already been set. God, I thank you that you would allow me to decrease, allow you to increase in a magnitude and let these words come forth in a way that the people of God can understand. Your word says that he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Lord, I ask that you would guard my mouth, guard my mind, guard my heart, guard my voice, everything that needs to be used to give your people a word of freedom. On this day, use me, God. I may be the doctor, I got some, but you are the great physician. Oh, God, we honor you in this place, God. So use everything in me right now. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And for that, God, we say thank you in advance for the blessing you're getting ready to give us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So let's just, just keep going because I kind of move a little fast. So if I ever get to talking, I'm a seventh grade teacher, so I use the fist to five, right? If you don't understand what I'm saying, give me a fist. If you understand and can explain it to somebody else, you give me a five, okay? You got it? All right. Amen. And so, and so here we are. We are going to John chapter 8. St. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. I don't know if it's a formality for you to stand. I promise you I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read the, the main basis text of, text of the scripture, and then we'll go through it, all right? I won't go through it while y'all standing up, because I wear Converse sneakers. Now I stop wearing heels, because they don't know. Jesus. <laughs> I done got up on that age where I have to start wearing, wearing humbler heels. Amen. <laughs> Are we ready for the word? Say amen. 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 So it's John chapter 8 verses 31 through 32. All right. And it says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Mm -hmm. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Here's the word. If. You abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The theme... For this women's conference, from what I can remember, because I wrote it down in a bunch of notes, and sometimes you know how you write down stuff and then you can't find it later. But I know that we're talking about freedom, right? And when I gave my sermon topic, I said it was theological truths for spiritual and psychological freedom. Theological tools for spiritual and psychological freedom. Now I'll give you the tools, but you have to do the work. Amen. 
I'll give you instructions. We'll even give you a blueprint. But you have to do the work, because the Bible says that every man shall work out his own soul's salvation. So Jesus is talking in this text. He's talking because there's a lot of controversy on who he is. And John 1 and 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh, right? And it dwelt among us, right? And without him, nothing was made. And everything that was made is because of him, right? And so therefore, we know that Jesus is the incarnate word of God made flesh. Are we all in agreement on that? Give me a five. So since Jesus is the word incarnate made flesh, we see that the synoptic gospels, right? That is Mark, that is Matthew, that is Luke, and then John is the fourth gospel. But all of them see the story of Jesus somewhat the same because all of them were kind of there to witness the same things that Jesus did. Now there are certain things that Luke says that Mark doesn't say and there are certain things that, you know the gospel, y'all been in this long enough, Uncle Doug gave it to you, but I'm just making sure y'all know that I know it. Hallelujah. And so, and so, and so, and so now here we have, we have, we have all of these synoptic gospels and we see Jesus going throughout Judea and going throughout Samaria and going throughout all of the provinces and going everywhere outside and here's, here, here it is, in his community. Going to the outskirts, outside of the walls of the church. And he goes out to these people and he begins to tell them certain things about the principle of God. You know some of the parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower that went out to scatter seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who lost her coin in the house and lit a lamp and looked up under. Come on, y'all ladies. We know how we lose something in the house. We don't rest until we find it. The kingdom of heaven is like. These kinds of things. And he's giving them the word of God. Here it is, people of God, in a language that they can understand. See, one of the things that we need to do, I'm not going to say that we haven't been doing a good job, but one of the things that we need to continue to do is we need to be able to change a little bit of the language, not the principle. Come on. Not the principle, not the foundation, but you need to be able to build that house to a language that these young people can understand. You gotta build it so that women can understand it. You gotta build it so that children can understand it. You gotta build it, and so it's not changing the principle. The foundation is still the same because Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever, and his word will never return void. It will always go forth and do what it was sent out to do, and it will never come back So, so, so Jesus is telling his disciples, and one thing that I love about scripture, especially when we're doing this little text, is that we have to do this thing. He says that you have to look at the prepositions. In the English, I used to teach English too. The prepositions. Here's what he says to the Jews who believe in him. Come on. Everybody that's going to church don't believe in Jesus. Can we just be real? Some people ain't here for the word. Some people just here just to be here. Just to be huge. Come on, just to be fancy. Just to do what they want to do. Some of the churches I go into, they be doing all of this stuff with their feet. And, they be... and it's all over YouTube, all over Facebook, all over Instagram, all over. And they're not doing it for Jesus. 
that these people have the likeness and the appearance of God, but they ain't got no power. Oh, I feel my help coming. Come on, Granny. You got to have some power. Now I'm going to tell you, you got to have some power. Let me write down power, power. You got to have some power. Let me tell you how you're going to get some power. He says, he says, look at the text, look at it, look at it. He said, then Jesus said to the Jews who believe him, who believe the words that he spoke out of his mouth. Because in the previous part in that text, he says that I speak the third to the world the things that the Father has given me to say. I'm not saying nothing that God hasn't given me to say. Can I tell you what my granny told me before she died? She said, if the Lord don't give you nothing to say, baby, don't say nothing. Keep your mouth shut. If the Spirit don't give you nothing to say, don't say nothing. Because everything don't have to be said. There's a Selah moment. Sometimes you got to leave space for God to work. So he said to the Jews who believed him, if, The preposition, if you, with the conjunction, yeah, if you believe, and if, if you abide, Watch you want a tool for freedom? If you abide. Which means to stay there. But not just sit there. You have to be intentional about being there. You gotta be intentional about being present. To abide, you have to make sure that while you're sitting there, while you're waiting for God to move, while you're studying the word, you're saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I bless you. Lord, I exalt you. Lord, open up your scriptures to me. Open up your word, God. I'm bringing my petitions to you. I'm giving you my praise. I'm giving you my worship. That's abiding. It's giving God worship while you're waiting. He says, if you abide in my word, not in his word, not in her word, not in their word, not in the laws and the bylaws and the, come on, That's right. boards, word, my word. Then you are, which means there is no question to your identity. You are my disciples when you abide in my word. If you do this, I will do this. This is what God always says. Even when he makes the covenant with the children of Israel. Am I teaching them all right? Ain't nobody falling asleep? Put your hand in the back, y'all all right? He says, if you do this, I will do that. He says, I will provide all of your needs 
according to my riches in glory. When you're in glory, that's when I provide your needs. When you abide in glory, in glory means that I'm abiding with you, that I'm glorifying you. And so therefore, all of my needs, God my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. So that means I must abide. That means I belong to him. That means I'm a disciple of him. That means I have a discipline of him. That means I have something that God wants to use me for. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting for the spirit to move and to give me something to say. I'm waiting for the spirit to be a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. I'm waiting for the spirit to move me in the way and the direction that it should go. And so he says, he says, and you, and here it is, and you are my disciples indeed. So therefore, you don't have to be confused about whether you're saved. See, there's so many different ways that the world is trying to tell us what salvation looks like. They're trying to change the way that salvation looks. They even almost fooled us into making us think that if we wore long skirts, we were actually saved. But there's somebody, can I just say, there's some people that said, the long skirts come up the same way the short ones do. Salvation comes from the inside. It comes from abiding. You can't dress it up. It's Women's Day. Hallelujah. So you abide. That means you have identity. And he says, and then you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Theological tools for freedom. If you are writing anything down, get your pens ready. I got your three points. Ready? The first one is abide. If you didn't catch that one already. The next one is to know. The last one is to speak. Mm-hmm. Are we ready? So we talked about abiding. Now, there's a certain thing about knowing the truth. Because see, there are two different types of truth. There is the, 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 the truth that I have. And then there's the truth that is immutable. Right? There's a truth that I have that is conditional to me. It's my story. It's the stuff that I went through. And it's my perspective on what I went through. So if I was raped, if I was molested, if I was something. Come on, it's Women's Sunday. I ain't scared of nobody. If I was in a domestic sense of uh, situation, that's my truth, right? I know my truth. I know how it affects me. I know how it keeps me up at night. I know how my fervent, my prayers have to be because it says that the fervent and effectual prayers of the righteous availeth much, right? But I know what causes me to stay up at night. I know my truth. But there is a truth of God. That is immutable truth. That means it exists whether we exist or not. It exists whether we believe it or not. It doesn't matter whether you believe the truth of God. God is God whether you believe in him or not. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. So the point is that when we know the truth, we begin to move differently. Because when we move based on our own truth, our own truth has our own perspective. And see, sometimes, ladies, our perspective can be very skewed. Uh-huh. Because we got something, it's the H word, called hormones. 
Can I just be real? Give me a line if I can be real. Them hormones mess us all the way up. We be thinking somebody talking about us and they ain't even talking. They might be mumbling to them, I'm helping the men. They might be mumbling to themselves and we think they talking about us and we got a whole to tell ourselves, please be still. You ever get to a place where you had to tell your own self to shut up? Go ahead, I ain't by myself. Come on, it's one in five in here. Gotta tell yourself to shut up. This is how you do it next time. You know that pause in between songs? Tell yourself, Selah. Let me sit down and think about this for a few minutes. When we know the truth, when we know the truth, and I'm looking at my time, I don't want to keep you here long. When we know the truth, we begin to move differently. See, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing that happens. See, see, we have this thing that, that when, when we, have, we have, we have, we have, we have, we have, we have um, these different truths. So Eric, Eric, not Eric Erickson, let me get him right, let me get him. Walter Brueggemann says that there are certain levels of our uh, functioning, right? There are certain levels of our functioning. We move from orientation to disorientation. Come on, ladies. We move from orientation to disorientation. And then we have to be reoriented to the things of God. That means we move from our truth and something has to challenge our truth and it disorients us. See, they tried it. I wrote, I wrote a book. I wrote a whole book and everything. And I took them and said, oh, well, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. Let me just give some people something. And I don't know, you might have to give it to somebody else. Stop letting these people put names and labels on our kids. Stop. Listen, they try to tell me, oh, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. And here go a pill. I said, the same people that are handing out the panic are handing out the pill. You telling me I got something, I don't know the definition of what it is, and you gonna hand me a pill to fix it? Come on, it don't have to be that. It could be high blood pressure, come on, y'all. It could be diabetes. It could be, wait a minute, you know what I told the lady? I told the lady, I said, let me tell you something. Because I told her I heard the voice of God and they tried to put me in there. It said I was hearing voices. I said, I heard the voice of the Lord. It's like, oh, really? 
saved people can't go to no good. <laughs> come talk to your pastor first. <laughs> Tell that to your pastor. Hallelujah. And so, and so, and so, and so, and so uh, when she said that, she said, I said, let me tell you something. You can tell me how to change my diet and I can get better. You know the Daniel fast that Daniel uses when he doesn't eat any of the king's meat? That works for me. Drinking more water, guess what? That works for me. Eating crunchy foods, not chips, works for me. It keeps my mind regulated because medicine is food. Everything that we have need of, God has already provided for us. We have to be good stewards over our bodies to keep those hormones, come on, in check. So you know what I do? I eat a salad and drink some water and I go lay down. And here's what Granny told me. She said, go lay down and think about the goodness of the Lord and tell God thank you. Yeah. Granny, tell me right. Pick you a time. This is a nugget from Granny. Pick you a time every day. Be intentional to abide. To do not disturb at 2.45 in the afternoon. And it doesn't come back on until 4 o'clock. Granny said, go and lay down and meditate on the good things of God. Begin to tell God thank you even in your struggles, even in your oppression, even in your depression. Begin to tell God thank you because God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And then he says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving, make your petitions known unto God. And then what happens? The peace of God that surpasses your understanding will come and guard your heart and your mind. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, go lay down. Take a nap. Go think about the goodness of the Lord. Go have your Selah moment. And what happens when you do that? This is what, this is what, and I had this revelation when, when my granny passed, and I'm sorry to bring so much of her into this, but I'm there, right? And so, and so, um, I, I, when my granny passed, it all of a sudden I started remembering all of these little nuggets that she was giving me. And I started liking it to Jesus. And you know what God told me right in it? Because the Lord speaks to me still. I don't tell the doctors that, but I'm telling y'all. <laughs> the Lord told me as I was meditating on my granny, and I was wondering why all her letters that she sent me and all of her, you know, gifts and cards and letters of encouragement. I got all of that stuff. And I was wondering, why is this just now hitting me now? And the word came to me. He says, if I don't leave you, the Holy Spirit won't come. Anybody who's grieving over the loss, we getting free today. If they didn't leave, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come and lead, here it is, and guide you into what? All truth. I'm almost done. I'm wrapping it up. I'm watching my time. 
And so and so and so, what happens is when you have theological tools for freedom, we have to be careful because I almost built myself a stronghold. Because let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is when you put bricks on top of bricks on top of bricks. Let me step up, step up here so I can see. Y'all can see me now? You put bricks on top of bricks on top of bricks on top of bricks. And you begin to do this with all of those nuggets, with all of those things. Every bad word someone has said about you. Everything, every condemnation, everything. All of the trauma, all of the issues. And you build up bricks on top of bricks on top of bricks on top of bricks. And you never built a door. And you never built a window. And the next thing you know, you're in a well or in a stronghold. It's a safe place, but you can't breathe. It's a safe place, but you can't get out. Can't nobody get in, but guess what? You can't get out. God, I ask you right now to release us from the strongholds that we built for ourselves. Build us a window. Build us a door. In Jesus' name. That next point. Let me just get back to this real quick. Let me make sure I got all of this. I'm checking it off. I told you that. Uh, told you that. Okay, I'm at my conclusion. Hallelujah. So now, here we go. So he says these things and he says, so you will know the truth. It wasn't until Jesus departed from his disciples that they began to realize it wasn't until my granny was gone until I began to realize and it really started to stick with me. And now I'm preaching almost everything. I'm like, yeah, go lay down. I'm, I'm, I'm around my house telling myself, I need to go lay down. I need to go do, I need to go do this. I need to, don't say nothing unless the Spirit. And I'm just reciting all of these things. And so now the Holy Spirit has come and it's leading and it's guiding me into all truth. Because guess what? I know the truth, right? And when you know the truth, you begin to move different. I saw something on Facebook where it says something that stupid is, people who know the truth and still believe the lies. I said, that's not even theologically possible. Because anytime you know the truth, you have to move different. It says that the truth, not only, it doesn't set you free, it makes you free. Oh, we got to pay attention to the words that are in here. It doesn't set you free. Make sure you watch that when people be misquoting scripture, talking about, oh, the truth has set you free. No, the truth makes you free. You can't help but to know the truth. And here's the truth. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and only not beneath. I am the fearness and, and the wonder wonderfully made by God. That's who I am. That's who I am. I know the truth and the truth makes me free. I'm the lender and not the power. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm above only, not beneath. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God said, according to me, I know the plans that I have for you, and they are to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope, to give you a future, and to bring you to an expected end. When you know the truth, the truth makes I've been in drug spots. 
I've had to fight out of hotel rooms. Come on, I've been punched in the face. My nose has been broken. I've hit people with stuff over upside their head. Almost ran people over, been in jail. Come on, I'm a living testimony. You know what I told him? I told him, I said, tell me the truth. I said, because whatever the truth is, it can't, you can't hurt me. I've been through all of this, and I'm going to let some little lie, some little something, something that happened. Ain't nothing I could do about it. Come on, people of God. I'm being too transparent. Let me get out of here. Jesus is the way, 
the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by the way, the truth, and the life. And they that worship must worship me in spirit and in truth. If you didn't get the tool for freedom yet, the tool is tell the truth. You want to get free? Tell the truth. Don't be scared. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The reason why people don't have soundness of mind is because they run around here lying to themselves. I gotta go. I gotta go. Bring me at night. Bring me at night where we can stay here for a little while. Bring me at night. And so, so if, it's, if it's okay with Uncle Doug, bring me at night. Let's have a women something something, okay? Not even in the sanctuary. We ain't even got to burn no oil. Let's go in the back room. All right, so, so, <laughs> and so, and so my whole thing is if you want to be healed, if you want to be set free, if you want to be made free, we must tell the truth. Now my last thing, not only will you know the truth, but you have a responsibility to speak the truth. Remember the woman at the well? She told Jesus the truth. Matter of fact, he told her a few truths too. Uh-huh. Help her get it out a little bit. Sometimes you gotta help them get it out like, uh-uh, that ain't right. Where your husband at? Oh, I got to, oh no, 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 no. You're lying. Come on, don't be afraid. And then what did she do when she got made free? She went, she told everybody about a truth, about a man, about a word that was incarnate in the flesh, that came and dwelt among us, that came and made her free. She told them about a conversation where they could go and get healing. And how about this? She was a Samaritan. We'll get into that next time. I'm done. But did you get it? So give me a fist if you didn't get it. Give me a five if you got it and you can explain it to somebody else. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I'm not really sure what the next part of the protocol is, so I'm going to let Uncle Doug take it from here. And I love y'all, and I'll come back anytime you want some more words. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a Thank you for the word.